welcome back to Oppressed by Sun. In last week's episode, our heroes burned Tord's farm to the ground, covering the city of Mordek in a smoky haze. Upon discovering the gruesome death of the druids who grew the berries of the farm, the town's hero, Ertemid Ertron, demanded that they turn themselves in and stand trial for murder. Kadim obliged, while his friends rushed about to gather evidence and witnesses that could help at the trial. In this week's episode, Kadim stands trial for his life. If convicted, both he and the Lord's Tailor be sentenced to death. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for the introduction of two new characters who will join us in our future adventures. Episode 21 A Wrongful Acquittal Kadim. Yes. You are in a dwarven prison as all of the rest of the prisoners are let out one by one. The whole prison empties, except for one old dwarf who walks in as the rest of the guards are leaving. You believe him to be a, a high-ranking member of this town guard. Gray beard strides up confident to the cage, leans up against it, and says, Who helped you in the tunnels? I don't say anything. Why you killed the city guard then? Just the one. I don't know anything about anyone killing some city guard. I know I knocked a few out on my escape. Who you be working for then? I work only for myself. Twenty of you? Thirty? How many were you? I say nothing. I, say I, nothing. I know who you are. I say nothing. Kadeem, right? Yes. It's all true then. You are just a murderer hobo wandering the world. <laughs> and you've wandered into our little town. And, and you're here to murder our people. Is that right then? You count Tord as one of your people? It was an awful citizen. We didn't all agree with him. I understand. It took quite a great deal of power in your city in only a matter of weeks. Thanks for the help of that Barry. He leans into you, he says, Well, I never did like the elves myself. You think that Barry comes from the elves? Are you daft, man? Of course it's from the elves. You know it comes from the drow, right? He sort of st stands back, looks, looks you down, up and down. You got the evidence then? Only links logical links, but I also know that that berry did not show up in this town until Tord showed up. The key, the key for you to tell me is, where are the rest of them? They haven't left this town. Where are the rest of them? Uh, the rest of them berries are in that farm. We're gonna convict you, boy. It's the guillotine for you. I'm the only reason that poisonous smoke is leaving the town. Ertemid's the one who opened it up. All you did was start a fire. At my request. Before then, there were no holes, and the you, whole town was choking and you're, smoking. You're gonna take, you're gonna take credit for Ertemid's work, then. Ask Ertemid. He did it at my request, on the condition that I would turn myself in. We did start. I mean, I did start the fire. Did you, did you kill the druids? Did you kill the guard? I did not kill the guard. I did not kill the druids, and I do not know who did. He sort of, he sort of, he grunts at you. He says, "Well, you weren't alone, kiddo." I don't say anything. He reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a piece of paper, like a rolled up scroll, a scroll-like piece of paper, and he unravels it, sort of dramatically facing him. You can't really see it. Mm -hmm. Then he turns it around and plops it up against the uh, walls of the cage, and he says, and it's a picture of you and Moo Moo and Varian and Jennifer, and it has your names, and it says wanted murderers. Okay. And he says. You'd think the jury would find this convincing, then. I don't see why the jury would believe any kind of sun elf propaganda. 
you be you still be telling me you're not a murderer then? I told you I killed Tord. So you are a murderer. And not just here. We're just the first ones to catch you. What you done murdered in my town. Mm-hmm. And now you gonna hit the guillotine. Oh, I don't think so, Frank. I think when this is all said and done, the people will side with me on this. The city's better off without that smoke. Alright, Mumu and Varian, you head to the hot and frothy. As you approach, uh, Mumu, you're looking like a wood elf. Could we get a moment alone, please? Um, Lieutenants are already out, uh, standing up and are moving out of the way. Oh, okay, Brad. Um, okay. Uh, the room clears out, except for the guards at the door. Uh, I say, so, um, I heard you, uh, maybe didn't care for Tord as much as, uh, you might have let on in the beginning. She smiles at you, she says, he, he was a, a very fun man. She, you sense that she wishes you weren't here. Well, given that, uh, perhaps she was not the most well-liked person, which seems to be clearly the case, um, we were beginning to suspect that he might have been the one to, uh, cause those deaths that Kadeem is accused of, and raise my eyebrows significantly at her. Okay. Uh, fucking ten. The guard already knows who's responsible, son. Hold you. It's time to leave. I cannot leave without Kadeem. We need a way to get him off. Tord is the only one I see deserving of that blame. Why would Tord kill the druids? I hear the safe was opened and uh, some valuables were taken. Could be that he wanted to abscond without giving any of the deserved profits. He was a bad man. Maybe he had debtors. So he organized it and got on the scene by his own people? So it would seem. So it would. Highly plausible, but a paper trail could be made. How can we help? Well, person in charge of investigating this on behalf of the state, she looks at you with a little eyebrow variant. Uh, he's an old friend. I bet I could talk to him. Get this investigation pointed a different direction. He did come to me first, after all, for information. That would be excellent. But variant, she looks at you right in the eye. You need to get out of town. I told you. Once we have Kadeem free. This is a risky plan. Well, I'm aware. I will do my best, son. Please stop visiting me. Who should we uh, see about making amends to for the uh, um, guard who was uh, slain the other night to comfort his family in this hard time? Hmm. An anonymous donation could be made. Simply give it to her to me. The right channels are all the difference in these things. Okay, yeah. Uh, give her a hug and stay, stay safe and definitely stop smoking that terrible evil stuff. Uh, love you, bye. Okay, she hugs you and says, Son, if you need a way out, I'll find you one. Just come, come to me. Just come to the back door. And she hands you a key. Would you give one uh, a way out with all of my friends? So long as you are leaving. Okay. Thanks, Mom. After leaving the hot and frothy, Varian goes shopping while Mumu returns with Jennifer to the flowering pot, the local hideout for the Doves of Honor. When they enter the secret room in the back, under the trap door, they are surprised to see a lithe, reserved, purplish-skinned woman with pale blue eyes, watching them with a coy look as they enter. Having never seen a drow before, they struggle to hide their surprise, even as she speaks in riddles. As Jennifer enters, the drow says, Your presence here means you are doves. 
Could you perchance give names, my loves? We're pretty low-level operatives. Who are you? My name changes where I whim. Now tell me, do you know Varian? Oh, uh, he's, yeah, he'll be back in a minute. I am Jennifer Leifery, the Doves of Honor. Of... And, and I am none of your damn business. <laughs> and, and my friend here hates giving her identity to She anyone. says, Varian's promise has been made. The day of reckoning cannot be delayed. Varian made a promise? Okay, that's really, really cryptic. I just message her ass. And I'm like, what? What do you want? Draroth requests that he be freed. This request would be wise to heed. Would love to uh, participate in that. Do have this minor issue of our best fighter being imprisoned. We were working on getting his ass out. I would be bringing all of them with me to do this. With you I shall await word of your friend's fate. Lovely, and your name is Deneb Detal. I'm gonna call you Deb. I say I say Jennifer, this is Deb. Deb Jennifer. As I was already out loud, she says Deneb Detal. It's a pleasure. And then she sits. Alright, Deneb, what kind of elf is she? She's she's an elf you've never seen before. She yeah, has dark purple that. skin. And she's not a dark purple skin. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's not oh, a gray elf. Shit. She is yeah. not a silver elf. I look at I look at Jennifer and say, "It's a dark one. Its name is Deb." Deb Detal. Hype down, Deb. I would like to ask Deb, uh, how did you get in, and how can we get out? Walks over to the door and presses her hand into the door, and then. Uh, uh, pulls out like there's an illusory thing and she sinks the key in unlocks it and there's a downward spiral staircase that goes down ah uh, I knew you had these dwarves beat I'm starting to like you already Deb as Varian enters she stands and gives a slight bow sir I come with a message on which your life depends Droth invites you to keep your vow before your life ends so you're a uh you're a dove of honor? Agent of a demon lord. That's all you need to know. Really, <laughs> Completely trustworthy. Fraternity interacts with, I guess. Call me diplomat, traveler, or even spy. Just know that I do not speak a lie. And I ask her, hey, if we get rid of that bastard and let him back, is he going to release his grip on these berries and shit? While Draroth plots his deserved escape, this realm does not suit his worldly tastes. Do I make any uh, connection between... Uh, so this is my first... Well, actually, technically, this is my maybe second time ever seeing a drow. Mm -hmm. um, do I make any connection between the two? Yeah, you know, now that you think back on it, when you caught those... When you were younger and you caught that glimpse of that hero who came to your town and uh, helped you and your mom fight off the Sand Scourge... How many, how many drow are up on the surface... I don't suppose you know of any that uh, were wandering around um, some... This was only like a hundred years ago at this point, I think. Have you been smoking Draroth's herb? Your mental health has me concerned. Maybe you've been too many days without water as a child. Maybe, maybe your mom beat you. After quietly waiting a couple more days, our heroes get in disguise so that they may attend the trial. 38, so, 
So you guys, you, you guys are like, who am I talking to here? And you guys get confused how good your damn costumes are. <laughs> a, the downtown dwarven uh, courthouse, which is uh, built right next to the temple, and is a sprawling, beautifully crafted dwarven building, um, which you enter and find all of the people sort of pushing into the main room amphitheater, but like with with one level well below all of the others, there are seats on two sides and a large chair that faces the whole crowd. The crowd is already pretty full as you guys arrive. Uh, Khadiv, you are directed where to go. You have sort of uh, perfunctory handcuffs on, but they're not tight. They're probably well made, but they're not uncomfortable. Can I ask them to just, you know, be able to go on my honor system? You can. And they say... Well, just remember where you are. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, unlock your uh, handcuffs. All right, sweet. So they, they lead you in to the yes. courthouse, and they seat you down on that first level in one of the back chairs. Um, and the guard stands right next to your chair. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they lead in a bunch of other people, including your boy, Arthur, the dwarven boy who witnessed this. Uh, a couple of minor mining representatives are here as well. Um, and that's it on your side. On the other side, another dwarf comes in. You recognize Captain Coldfoot. He comes in on the other side and he says, Today be the day, son. As he, he, he sort of nods at you. Look forward to vindication. Look forward to another victory. <laughs> uh, and he takes his part on the side opposite to you. And a little while later, there's like a boom sound throughout the room. And all the dwarves sort of stand up and start stomping. As a, uh, a sort of a fat, older male dwarf sort of toddles into the big chair and sort of sits down, and uh, everything goes quiet. And he says, we'll start with the accuser, the state. Captain Coldfoot stands up and he says, we have good evidence that a group of well-known criminals who have roamed territory after territory, killing, have come to our town. This is what but one of them, and points at Kadeem. The others stand trial in absentia today. A couple of minutes, he, he talks on and on some laws and blah, 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 and how important the law is, and how we can't have criminals roaming through here and such and such. Um, a little while later, sort of sneaking into your side there is Drusilla. Mm-hmm. She sort of uh, slides in and sit, sits in a chair, maybe two seats away from you, and sort of, sort of quietly sits there. And she sort of whispers to you, she says, Don't worry, we're getting you out of here. He said, uh, so he says his piece, right? And the judge says, thank you, Captain. Now, the defense may speak, and he just leaves it to you who's going to talk. Jusilia looks at you. The little boy ain't going to talk. There's a couple of minors. One of them, like, you guys, like, look at each other and don't stand up. And he sort of stands up and looks at you like, Your Honor, good people of Mordek, I am confident by the time this trial is over, and after all the evidence has been examined, you will understand that I am not guilty of any crimes against the people of Mordek. Other actors are responsible for the heinous slaying of the druids in the grove. And that the only thing I am guilty of... The only thing I am guilty of <laughs> is trying to make Mordek a better place to live. So the captain shouts over to you, Do you admit killing Tord? I admit killing an agent of Droroth. He admits it then. There's a gasp in the crowd. He has killed at least one of them. This... Trial then continues for the others. Do you deny killing all of them? Of course I deny killing all of them. Did your friends kill them? As far as I know, no. What do you know then? I know that when we arrived on site to destroy the farm and destroy the stotch of this poisonous berry that has been destroying the dwarven community, 
You went that... there to burn a private farm? Yeah. And you killed the owner <laughs> of the farm? Yeah. There's another gasp over the crowd. And Priscilla's like, oh, like, like, what are you doing? Name the rest of the conspirators then. Try Gunter Stellenhaus. There's another, like a... <gasps> yeah. In my crowd. possession, taken from me by the guards when I lawfully turned myself over to them after consulting with Ertmead. Uh, they took from me a green gem, a stone that allows me to bond to the spirit of Gunter Stellenhaus. There's like a... <gasps> over the crowd. You and... also find in my possession a blood amulet from Stellenstrad, a bloodstone amulet used to track the Dark One. I ask that these pieces, uh, uh, that these items be brought here so they can be examined by the court. The judge says, bring all of the defendant's items. Sweet. And uh, so a couple of guards <clears throat> rush off, obviously. Oh. There's a, like a murmur over the crowd as, as, as a few minutes pass, and then they bring in a large duffel bag thing. They, they present it to the judge, who sort of waves it over to you. Mm-hmm. It includes all your weapons and everything. I don't seem very worried that you're going to try to... Yeah, I pull out the green crypt stone from Gunta's crypt. Okay. And I say, would your honor like to examine the stone? He motions and one of the guards hands it up to him. Bam. He, he sort of looks at it very carefully, squinting his eyes. He talks to somebody who's apparently behind and down, mm-hmm. like down the stairs that he climbed up there. The court will, ex- will have an expert examine it, give the court a full written opinion while we hear the rest of this testimony. And then I start relaying the the story of like you know how of like when I first came into contact with the stone, how I had a vision um, of my father uh, um, get, entrusting me to the care of Gunter so that I could be safe while he and my father take up, take on a gold dragon, you know, one of the sun elf, uh, you know, uh, emissaries or whatever. Ever since then, I have been like following Gunter's path, seeking guidance from him. I feel this strong connection for some reason. With uh, with uh, Mordek because of it, how I have communed with him and Ert- like with Gunter's uh, spirit in uh, Ertmeet's grove, uh, and how it saddened me to see Ertmeet himself exhaling this acrid smoke, and how it just suffocates everyone who lives in Mordek. Yeah, right. As hushed murmurs trickle throughout the crowd, and Kadim pauses in his monologue, Drusilia catches his eye and stands up to speak. Your Honor, uh, she, she stands up and she says, I today have brought something very important for the court's attention. And she uh, opens a, 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 her bag and pulls out a thick binder. <laughs> and she says, here we will find evidence that uh, Tord himself planned this as a, to, to defraud the insurance. And he like, and she like, Slams this book on on the table in front of her. These druids were killed because they were profitable to kill, and uh, and there's like a gasp, and the judge says, "Hand me that immediately." She like uh, hands up the book, and he starts flipping through it, and like uh, a guy, another guy, another dwarf you didn't see hurries up and like stands next to him, and they're both peering over the book as they're flipping through pages, and he whispers at you and says, "And at some point, as while they're like going over that, I continue talking to the crowd." Even Ertmi himself asked me to remove this foul plant uh, and its effects from from the city. There is he has confided in me that there is something that has changed about. A perception the plant. check, everybody. A perception check. Yep. Something very strange is happening. You feel like the whole center of magic of this city is changing, shifting, moving. You hear a, a noise like a like at first it's just like a low rumble, like a boom, 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 boom. And then you see, like, the entire city is shaking. 
told you, every time we stay in trial, the um, major shit goes down. The uh, the entire city is shaking, and like the whole everyone's looking around, confused and talking, and some are like sort of panicking and thinking about running for the exit. When suddenly you see a shadow form above you, and Ertemid's enormous face looks down upon the proceedings. He says, "These drugs must go." <laughs> yeah. Yes. The uh, the judge sort of looks up, like sort of like looking at this book. He was just looking at this like book of full of stuff, and he was like perusing it pretty quickly. He looks up, startled at Ertemid. He looks around. He looks back at Captain Colefoot, who seems like he's not got anything to add. He says, or to me, uh, sir, he looks up, um, there's still the matter of the murders. Or to me, nods, turns, and walks away. Just stomps away back to his grove. And uh, the judge goes, <clears throat> the matter of the drugs is off the table. Captain Colefoot nods. But the murder trial continues. Seven or six druids and one guard. And no others. The, the judge and the, and the other dwarf sort of confer for a moment. Then he uh, he hands the book back down to Drusilia, and he says, "The charges against Kadim, Alcabal, and his in absentia co- uh, co-conspirators is hereby dismissed." And the crowd's like, "Woo!" Let the record show. <laughs> As you're like taking off your disguise, he continues. Uh, let the record show that Tordnir himself is solely to blame for these deeds. Fuck that guy. <laughs> There's like a boo. Yeah. And like, and, and the judge sort of uh, pulls out a giant hammer and slams it with a roaring thud into the stone desk and then leaves the hammer there and sort of waddles down his stair, like kind of creaks down the stairs like old guy walking. Nice. And the Captain Coldfoot sort of gives you a little salute. Haha, the glove didn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> well done, laddie. And he turns and walks away. A guy brings the crypt stone to you. He says, I, I have seen it. I've seen its power. It is it is beautiful. You deserve it. And he hands it back to Bam. you. Bam! Okay, now I got I got my ship back. While Kadim is getting wrongfully acquitted, a pair of new heroes have arrived in town and have spoken to Ertemid. Knowing that the Lord's Tailor needs more help, Ertemid directed them to find the Doves of Honor and join up with our heroes. We join Asiwi, a half-elf ranger with a pet snake named Squeezy, and Mivi, a red-headed sand dwarf fighter with a taste for ale, as they wander through downtown shopping. When you leave the temple, uh, which is like a, a grove built into a what used to be just a, a, a temple to the to the Mother Earth, which the dwarves here worship, and now has huge trees and plant life all growing inside of it. When you leave that temple, you find yourself in a very well-organized, disciplined, neatly city, and you're in the very downtown district of that city. You, you walk a block or two, and you start to see shops on both sides of the road. There's, there's elves and dwarves living in this city, and on the left side of the street you see mostly elves, on the right side you see mostly dwarves. It's still the elf side. On the left side you see a, a towering stained glass building with beautiful scenes of fairies and elves and animals. On the right side you see a squat sort of stone building, you know, well made but possibly poorly maintained, and out of that little stone building a tiny little two-foot gnome comes running out of the building. 
and he walks he walks right up to you confidently, like down at your kneecap level, essentially. Pulls out a like a like a folded out stool, which he throws on the ground and steps up onto it so he can look you in the eye. And he has to stand up on his tiptoes and still look a little up at you. He he, he points over he points over at the little uh, sort of grimy building and he says, "Treasures, treasures everywhere! And what do we have the price?" And he points at the building. My name's Scumtar. Come to my house of treasures. No, thank you. He, he seems a little put off by that. As you're saying no thank you, you see from the uh, shimmering glass uh, building, a, like a, a tall, uh, stately wood elf sort of strides out and looks over the street and looks at Scumtar, crinkles his nose and walks over to you and says, Oh yes, pay no mind to this uh, ridiculous creature. Please come over here where we have real items for sale. Uh, you don't want to be digging through a pile of trash. Okay, let's go. I'm gonna separate and go in with the gnome. Okay. What the hell? Gnomes have been known to be the purveyor of the finest <laughs> items. It's a gnome. I'm an elf. Half elf. I'm cool with the elf. A like wise this. decision, my lady. Doffs uh, like a hand, aiming at uh, showing you towards a building that's labeled the Shimmering Prism. I have some wares that I may be looking for. Are you new in town then? Maybe. Well, I see that you have. Beautiful items at, at your disposal. I do hope that you will come and take in my wares. And he just sort of is ushering you towards the building. As you climb up the stairs, you see that you're walking into a building that's basically transparent. And on both sides of you are these like glass cases. But these, this glass is like crafted, blown glass made of like swirling colors, painted into beautiful fairy forest scenes. And inside these, every each of these glass cases is but a single item, and you see three items: a pretty nondescript-looking bag, a beautiful necklace, which uh, has a like a sort of a ruby gem uh, in a gold necklace. You also see a bottle with a cap. What kind of bottle is? It? What does it do? He looks at you. He says, "Oh, you have such good taste, my lady." And he opens the case and he takes out the bottle and hands it to you. And then he just sort of knocks the cap off of it. And as he does, this cloud of smoke just rushes over you, obscuring you completely. Um, and you can see nothing in any direction. The bag. What kind of bag is this? Oh, yes. And he takes the bottle and corks it. And the smoke slowly dissipates from around you. And he puts it carefully back in the case and closes the door. And then slowly opens the door to the next one. And he says, why, this is the... The very icon of an adventurer. It is a bag of holding. I've been looking for one of those, but I'm actually in the market for some doves. Do you have any? Doves, my lady? Yes, doves. I'm an honorable person looking for some doves. He smiles at you. He says, well, this wouldn't be a beautiful shop such as this if I didn't have some way of procuring my lady's request. And he leads you over to another counter that's sort of in the back. And you see it's filled with scroll tubes. And uh, and he sort of uh, filters through them one by one, slowly reading a label on them, just rolling them over, and then sort of pulls one out and hands it to you. So I open up the scroll, mm-hmm. and I find... Conjure woodland beings, which could be doves. <laughs> this is not quite what I was hoping for. I'm going to check out what the has to offer. Oh, I don't think you want to go get your hands dirty over in that little sweatshop. 
a beautiful lady such as yourself, no doubt would be interested. And he sort of like he sort of looks a little more nervous now, and he like he's moving a little quicker. Like he he stuffs it back into the into the tube and like but doesn't put it away and hurries over to the other case that he didn't open, and uh, takes out the necklace and puts it like he like holds it up to your chest and says, "Oh, perfect." Beautiful, and he sort of latches it on. And as he does, I smack him up for the head and tell him to get away from me. And roll an attack me. roll. Yes. Okay, so you smack him across the face, and he looks very surprised and drops the necklace. He he, he looks around, oh, just starts stuttering and picks up the necklace and just uh, like walks away from you and like fixing his hair and like looking. Uh, uh my lady, uh, please, uh, mm, I I did not. This is a misunderstanding. Mm, mm, mm. Now, before I leave, very quickly here, mm. what does this necklace do without coming near me? Uh, why, why, yes, of course, I I should have just uh, told you, of course, of course. Um. The necklace is a necklace of adaptation. It allows you to change your appearance and form. Not that a beautiful lady such as yourself would ever need such a thing. I'm gonna check out the other shop first. I'm gonna go see what the gnomes got. Okay. Meanwhile, on my way out, I give him a slight wink. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, the little gnome. Uh, he he looks you. He looks. uh, You're a dwarf, so on his stool, he's looking you right in the eye. Well, it's it's a it's a pleasure, sir. What can I call you then? I'm Scumtar. And he reaches out to shake your hand. Is this how you treat a prospecting customer? Well, yes, with the with the utmost courtesy. You know where I come from. We treat newcomers with a uh, with ale. Oh, oh, well, that mm, that sounds like a dwarven custom. Come right in. I've got ale. You treat me to a cup. I'll give you my name. Oh, very well then. He, he scrubbles, scuttles down off of his little stool, folds it up, and rushes into his little building. He's got his own little stairs, like next to the stairs that normal people walk on. Uh, so now this is better. This this is hospitality. My name's Mivy. Already has a beer poured for you by the time you're entered. Alright. Sir, I hope you'll enjoy the finest ale that Mordek has to offer. Without saying a word, I chug it down, half dripping down my beard. It's normal beer. Uh, and you're looking around the shop and you see it's fucking dumb. Like, there's like, uh, there's like a layer of grime over everything. It, it looks like there's like piles of clothes in the... C- dead equipment like rusted out shields and armor and shit in one corner. And then, uh, like, just a, just a piles of junk everywhere. Um, and you sort of had to, uh, like, move your way like step over some, like, crap on the floor. And everything's covered in a layer of dust. And he says, Well, you look like an outsider, so... What are you looking to spend? Well, first off, I like what you did with the place. I'm used to this. Uh, second, I've come across some, uh, well, let's just say it's uh, face wood from something I faced on the way here. Anything I can uh, trade it in for? Let me see. see. So I show him the, the carved face of the chomp that we uh, that we killed. Okay, so he, he sort of takes it. It's a little bit heavy, so it sort of clanks down on the counter, but then he sort of like walks around it. And uh, does a, like a like a detect magic and like a identify spell on it, um, casting a little meh, 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 as he walks around it, and then um, he says, "This is quite unique. I'm not sure I have a buyer here, but I might have a out of town buyer who might want it." Who do you think I can talk to about it? Ooh, you're talking to the right guy. What are you looking for? Uh, so he jumps down off the counter. Um, which is way too tall. Like, it's like three and a half foot tall, this counter, and he's only like two feet tall, so he like lands down on the ground and like scurries over to a pile of junk and starts rooting through it. After a few minutes, he pulls out like this javelin, and he can barely move it. Uh, and he starts dragging it towards you. Taking it to hand. 
spin it around a bit. Do I he feel says, anything special about this? Oh, this is this is a thing of beauty, my friend. This thing will cast lightning. It, when you throw it, it becomes a bolt of lightning. Not my style. I'll toss it back to him. Okay. Not pointed at him. No, 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 I know. He, he sort of clanks it. He just sort of moves out of the way and it falls on the floor and he doesn't pick it up. And then he, like, <laughs> hurries over a different pile and starts rooting through it and starts dragging out, a, like, a V-shaped helmet. Um, it looks dwarven size, but it's an odd golden brass-colored helmet. Try and put it on my head. Okay. You immediately feel like you can cast spells such as Detect Thoughts and Telepathy. What can you tell me about this? Uh, oh. oh well, I don't know a whole lot about it. I, I personally, it's way too big, but it 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 allows you to, to read the minds of others. It was it belonged to a very bad person, I'm told. Grimy, like mirror with like a corner broken off, like behind the bar here. Yeah, you can see yourself. Like, what is your armor that you're wearing? It's plate armor that's been deteriorated. I mean, from the high winds of sand, mm-hmm. you can see that it's been. Scraped over, but it's plate armor. And this thing isn't like in tip-top condition either. This helm, although it looks like it, it definitely looks better than your armor, and it looks like a very high quality. I, I think this will do. Wonderful. He, he, he stands up. He's like, um, wait one moment, and he sort, he sort of picks up the little, uh, little mask, and he like hurries into the back. Three minutes later, he comes back out with, with the mask. And he, he sort of uh, plops it down. Like, actually, he uses some sort of mage hand to plop it down <laughs> on top of the uh, counter. And then uh, he just sort of hops up in a deft way um, on top of the counter and says, Well, I do really like the mask, but it's probably not the same value as the helm. It must be much more. How much more do you owe me? <laughs> <laughs> he gives you a big, sly grin. He says... <laughs> I do hope that a wealthy adventurer such as yourself wouldn't come in here and try to cheat a little sad gnome like me. What What if... Hear me out here. I have a feeling my friend is going to come back in here. Not quite fond of, uh, well, people of, of our stature, of, of a shorter statue. A racist! Let's say, uh, let's say I can uh, persuade her to be uh, of better nature when she comes in. Let's say you would make this trade. Let's see what she's got. He seems, he seems to nod. You enter the shop shortly thereafter, and you, they're chatting and having a beer at the at, at, in this grimy, disgusting shop. I take one look around, lift my nose up. Hey, Shorty, let's get going and find, these, find our mission. Hear me out, hear me out. He looks like a gnome, I know. How much did you drink? Never mind that, but listen to the guy. <laughs> Just contain yourself, see what he has. Nobody. Alright, what you got for us? For me. He winks at you and jumps off the counter, starts digging through a pile of crap, and takes out two beautiful bracers, like uh, uh, armbands that go along your your forearm. Why do I want those over these? He points at the bow on your back. He says, Well, these will help you shoot. How so? They give you a plus two to archery (laughs) and a plus two to damage. Yeah, but what do you want from me? How much does it cost? He points to your belt, where the uh, uh, the rust bag of tricks is. I think that's a fair trade. Give him the ugly bag. See, I'm gonna use my bag of tricks right now. I can conjure up a goat right now. You got yourself a deal. Any other creature? Not so much. Nope. Okay, as you as you conjure something, uh, roll a perception check. You see him wave his hand, but you don't really know what he's doing. 
and when you throw the when you throw the rust ball, a goat appears. <laughs> what style of goat? The exact goat you were thinking. <laughs> he says, "Well, what a coincidence!" <laughs> It is, because I really had a feeling it was going to be a rat. Well, we can never say with that junky gold bag of trash. You really should trade it like you promised. Am I still wearing the helmet? Yep. Can I suggest to her that it's the goat she wanted to see? Well. Yep, yep. Missed it. One too low. This is the goat you're looking for. I see that you caught me in a lie. Do you have any doves? May I ask the purpose? Well, I'm an honorable person looking for some doves. I don't understand the significance. <laughs> well, then I am in the wrong place. He like jumps off the counter and runs into the back. Can't go into details. It's a long story. <laughs> I need to make this deal. I need you to do this for me. We've known each other for a couple of weeks. Nick's go we pass out in the field. Let's see what else he has. Okay, but he comes running back after about twenty minutes, and he is out of breath. He looks like like he doesn't run very often. He's all red faced and like he's breathing hard. Last few times he just hopped up onto the uh, counter. This time he like takes out his stool and like <sighs> climbs up and then like he, like sort of exhaustedly climbs onto the counter and he says, "My lady, I would never let you down." And then he uh, and he takes out of his he takes out of his pocket a little uh, white rock uh, and it is carved in the shape of a beautiful dove. He hands it to you. He says, simply say the word. The word. The uh, rock turns into a dove. It just, it, a dove appears in your hand. I mean, it is what I asked for, but not what I'm looking for. Well, technically, he is the best kind of correct. So I see he's got this shiny helmet that we've discussed what it is already while you were gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this face mask will get us both these items? I need the bag. <laughs> but we get the face mask back, because my bag is way more valuable than anything you're giving me. He shakes his head. He says, Mm-mm, we had a deal. We never shook on it, and you're a gnome. Mm-hmm. But in this city, a deal is a deal. All right, give me my bracers. No problem. He points towards <laughs> the bracers on the floor. So I get my snake out, and I'm pondering what to do next. My pet's kind of hungry. He looks, ar- he looks around the shop. He points over to the javelin on the floor, which looks like a beautiful, uh, magical javelin. You give me the mask and the bag, you can have all three of my best items. The bracers, the javelin, and the helm. I'll take my dove as well, and then we'll be on our way. Agreed! And then, instead of shaking my hand, I just give him, I give him a little pat on the head and rub, kind of rub his head there. Before I hand this over, I am a, man, a woman of my word. Where is the flowering rose pot? Um, yes. Y- y- I don't know why you want to go there. They, they don't sell anything. Go down about a, um, half a mile and then turn right, and you- you'll find it eventually. Just look for ridiculous dresses in a window. Perfect. Tell no one we were here. With Kadim acquitted, Mordek is now a safe haven for our heroes. Next time on Oppressed by Sun, join the Lord's Tailor as they venture to Prime City, home of the Drow, where more shenanigans ensue. As always, you can find us at OppressedbySun.com, 
where we got maps, lore, and a whole lot more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.